truth. That, that's absolutely the truth. Thank you for coming tonight. Man, you are brave soldiers, aren't you? Yes, you are. We got a good group in the balcony, and uh, it's it's great to see you this evening. Saturday, my women were gone, so it was the two boxer dogs and I at home, which means I had the remote, which means it wasn't on Lifetime or the Hallmark Channel. And so I'm watching uh, a history show about World War II, the end of World War II, and it was about a, uh, a very interesting story where the American soldiers, the Allies, had come into Germany. And they uh, had set up a base at a castle where the, the, uh, the crown prince of Germany, who I guess was more of a figurehead at the time, had been. And he had fleed. And it was an officer's base. And uh, three of the officers, one of them was a lady, and she ended up marrying one of these men. The lady found the crown jewels of Germany. When the prince left the castle, they had gone down in the basement dug a hole, put the crown jewels in a neat little box that would preserve them, or a big, neat box, covered it with concrete, but they dug around and found these things. The value today was about $35 million worth of necklaces and crowns and rings. That's pretty awesome, isn't it? But they didn't do what was right with it. They, instead of turning it in, they tried to smuggle it back and tried to fence it and ended up getting prison time later on here in America for that. But you know what? One of the takeaways for me was this. How neat would it be to be digging around in your house tonight and find $35 million worth of jewels that you got to keep? Wouldn't that be great? A hidden gem somewhere that you absolutely weren't expecting. By the way, don't don't count on that ever happening, but it would be a neat thing. We're going to be in 1 Chronicles, not Corinthians, in Chronicles in the Old Testament. 1 Chronicles is right before Second Chronicles, thank you, Reggie. Uh, chapter four. Remember, two weeks ago, I told you we were going to spend two weeks on this. Right in the middle of the uh, passionate sermon, the electricity blew out, and with the the storm of rusting right now, it could happen tonight. But the way you acted two weeks ago, we'll just keep going regardless of what happens. But. We're going to look at this great passage. Now, listen, this is, uh, this is with the famous prayer of Jabez. And we kind of introduced and looked at some things last week. But I want to tell you, man, there is, there is such good stuff here tonight. And, and I, just, I want you to get a hold of it and live this out in your life. But before we really dive into the new stuff, let's do just a minute or two quick review. Success in prayer starts with who you are with God. You cannot have success in prayer if you are not who you should be with God. In verse 9, it says, Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. That was kind of a slight on his brothers, but it was also indicative of who he was. And his mother called him Jabez, saying, because I bore him in pain. We know Mrs. Jabez was not a nice woman, obviously. We know very little about this guy. He is from the clan of Judah, tribe of Judah, who Jesus comes from. He, uh, history, or at least Jewish history, says that he was probably a scribe, a scholar. In chapter 2, verse 55, back a little bit, there's a town named Jabez that they say that it was named after him because he was such an outstanding and wonderful person. And all these other ministers came there and then actually created a community, a town. It says he was more honorable. If you're taking notes, that, that means he was esteemed. 
It means he was heavy. Now, it doesn't mean he was chubby or calorically challenged. It means he carried a lot of weight as a person. It literally means he was an awesome individual. In the context, it means he was somebody that walked with God. This is somebody that had a, a deep, special relationship with God. Now, in a minute, we're going to look at verse 10 where Jabez asked some incredible things of God, some things that a lot of people say, oh, that's just wrong to even ask. But he does, and God grants it. God never asks, uh, answers a wrong request, but he never answers it when we're not who we should be with God. So I'm going to challenge you tonight as we begin. Remember this, success in prayer is not about your verbiage, it's not about being Baptist or Methodist or Catholic or non-denomination. It begins with who you are with God. Do you have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, and are you walking close with Him? Number two, quick review, success with prayer depends on how serious you are about praying. A lot of us, a lot of us prayer is just a, it's a good thing, but it's not a really important thing in our life. It says in verse 10, Jabez called upon the God of Israel. Our English Bibles don't quite give the intensity. The word called there means to cry out. To cry out to God or a person to roar a specific request. It's the picture here that when Jabez, and remember this is a lifetime. This wasn't just one prayer he prayed. Uh, He was a person, when it came to prayer, he was sincere, he was serious, and he was passionate. He was intense. You've heard the old illustration, but it's very good. Is prayer your spare tire or your steering wheel? Is it something you, you just use in an emergency, or is it something that guides your life. I heard a story of a counselor uh, talking to a mama and a little boy. The mama was having behavioral problems, came to see a Christian counselor, and, and the counselor had the mama and the boy in there, and he was trying to build some rapport. And he goes, son, do you ever hear your mama talking to Jesus? And he said, I sure do, every night. And the counselor said, man, this is great. Tell me, is it sincere? Very sincere. Is it with passion? With passion. Tell me what you hear her pray. And and he said, every night when she puts me in bed and walks out of the room, I hear Mama say, thank God he's in bed. None of you have had troubled kids or you'd know that that's a great request. Years ago, when I was just a, a baby, baby Christian, I read something that a famous musician uh, who, who's deceased now, had written about prayer. And he said, the only prayer God answers is desperate prayers. Let me tell you, I knew as a one-year-old Christian, that is not true. The Bible never says that. But, but I know this, I know this, that God, prayer's not something you just play with. Prayer comes, successful praying comes from people who are sincere who have a walk with God, who are sincere about it, and who are serious about praying. Now, before I dive into the next part, let me encourage you what we're fixing to talk about. A lot of scholars believe that this, again, this wasn't a one-time prayer, but this was probably the outline type of prayer that Jabez prayed throughout his life. So what I want to encourage you to do, if you're taking notes, you write these things down. I want to encourage you, I've been doing this for 17 or 18 years now after the book came out and I got introduced to this. I want you to pray these principles for yourself. Now, if if you're serious and you really want to see God work, I want you to. I want you to pray for yourself, for your marriage, for your family, hey, for your business, for our city, for our country, 
and for our church. And, and, and with these prayers, I, I think you have to ask God, God, help my motives to be pure. How many of you pray that regularly? Nobody but Reggie and I. That ra- that's a great prayer because, see, you're probably not stretching your prayer life much if you don't have to back up and say, God, help my motives to be pure. Because if we're really praying and asking God for big things, we may ask for some things that come from a selfish heart. Ask God to check your motives. Pray these things for yourself and your world. Here's the first thing. And, man, it is a great one. Ask God to enlarge your territory, not your waist. Y'all aren't fun at all tonight. Okay, ask him to enlarge your waist. I don't care. I'll love you anyway. Ask God to enlarge your territory. In verse 10, Jabez called upon the God of Israel. He's calling on the right person. Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my border. Now, we don't know exactly when this happened. It was probably in one of two times. It was either when the Jewish people in the book of Joshua were entering the promised land. They'd been given land. Each tribe had land. Each family was going to be given land. Or it was when the Jewish people were coming back from a captivity to reclaim land. There were bad guys in both times in the land that were going to fight with him. It was going to be a struggle. It was going to be tough. And what a neat thing. He says, God enlarge. That means increase, excel, make great my territory. Doesn't that sound selfish? I'm going to tell you, it says God granted his request and God never grants bad prayers. Jabez was saying, God, increase my property, increase my influence, increase my value in life. God, increase my business. And here's what I want to challenge you. Don't you want that in your life? Ask God to enlarge your territory. Ask God to make your influence as a Christian in a person bigger and bigger and bigger. If you're, if you're a working person, ask God to bless your business and to enlarge your territory. Oh, that'd be selfish. It's in the Bible successfully. Ask God to keep your heart clear, but ask God to enlarge the influence of your business, of your life of our church one thing i pray for our church is that god will increase our territory and enlarge our territory that doesn't always mean more people and more money it can mean influence and a lot of things folks what a great thing you ask god to increase the influence and and value of your life of your family what a tremendous thing if you agree raise your hand i I know this rain's got you sleepy, apparently. We opened the windows, you'd wake up, wouldn't you? Here's the second thing. Ask God for his hand to be upon you. Ask God to put his hand upon you, your family, your marriage, your church, your business, your life, our city. Man, our country needs God's hand on it. Goodness gracious. Verse 10 God, that you would bless me and enlarge my border and that your hand would be with me. What what does it mean? The the hand in the Bible is is a lot of times, and here he's talking symbolic. It's a a symbol of power and strength and, and of care and assistance. God, may your power and strength and blessings and assistance and care be on me. Let me explain. I'm going to give you four thoughts on this. This is asking God for his blessings. 
We saw that two weeks ago. He says, and these go together. God bless me, enlarge my border, and that your hand would be on me. He's, Jabez is saying, God, bless me. Put your hand on me, God. When God's hand's on something, it's going to be blessed. Bless my family. Bless my business. Bless our country. Bless my church. God, bless it. How many of you want God's blessing on your life? Ask him for it, and don't stop asking until Kilpatrick comes to get you. You keep, you keep asking this. Number two in this, this is asking for God's power. Man, Jabez and them, whether they're entering the promised land for the first time or coming back from captivity, they needed the power of God. Man, we need the power of God. So many, I mean, Christians in churches, we are, we are not just living at half mass. We're at 5%. We are not experiencing the power of God. We have Bible studies. We have called prayer times. We preach, we teach, we sing, and we see very little of the power of God. How many of you ever mow a yard? My wife, I let her a few years ago buy me a push mower, and she bought a great one. I've never asked how much it costs because I know I would die if I knew how much it costs. But it is wonderful, and it's, it's the self-propulsion on it is great. Now, when I was growing up, the self-propulsion was for country clubs or very wealthy people. You just started that thing, and you went out and fought the yard, didn't you? But with this self-propulsion, listen, I can mow a hill pretty easy as long as I keep my hand on the right place because like my grandkids, it'll drag them around the yard. But you know what? When that doesn't work, that lawnmower is evil. <laughs> I mean, it's like pushing a chubby person in a wheelbarrow up Mount Everest. It is hard because it wasn't meant to be pushed without that self-powering thing. Folks, God, we got to keep our hand on the mower. We got to be in a place where we can be blessed. Man, we need the power of God, don't we? Man, you ask God for his power. Be bold. Ask God for his power in your business, for our church. In Washington, D.C., man, just watching Billy Graham, you know, Billy died today, watching some clips of him and just reminding me what we need more than anything else is a revival in our country. Ask God for his power to be in your marriage and in our community. Ask God for his power. That's what his hand brings. Here's a, a third thing. This is asking God for his guidance. When God puts his hand on you, if you will let him, God guides you, doesn't he? Amen. Jabez is going into the new land, or he's coming back to an old land that's hostile. And one thing he knew he needed was God's hand on him to guide him. Do you know how many times Christians train wreck their life, not because of some crazy, immoral, wicked, illegal thing. We just get out of God's will. You know how many churches are, are dead or dying? Not because they've done anything terrible. They're just not in God's will. We need God's guidance. Ask God for his guidance. And here's the fourth part of this. And, man, I love this. This is asking God for his favor. Jabez said, God, may your hand be on me. He's saying, Jabez is saying, God, smile on me. Now, you've got to be favorable 
I can't live like the devil and expect the, the, the divine to be on me. That makes sense? But if I'm trying to be who I should be imperfectly, but I'm striving for that, I can ask God. You best says, God, I want your favor on me. I want you to be happy with me. I want your blessings and your smile to be on me and my family and my life and everything I'm about. I love this concept because when God's hands on you, God's favors on you, and when God's favors on you, everything may be tough, but it's certainly moving in the right direction. And it's good in here, no matter how it is on the outside. And the second church I pastored where I met my wife was a wonderful church. When I got there, they had gone through some pretty tough times in the past. And one of my close friends who was a deacon who had been there during all that told me, and, and here's, he wasn't a theologian or a preacher, but what he said I've never forgotten. He said, man, God's hand was on our church. God's favor was on our church. He said, and the pastor went a little bit off. And then the, some of the members went a little bit off. And then the pastor and some of the members began to fight. And some of the members began to fight. And he said, you could feel the hand of God and the favor of God come off of us. And we went from a full house to an empty house in a matter of months. And I never forget, as we'd pray a lot of times, he'd say, God, keep your hand on us. God, keep your favor on us. Man, don't you need the favor of God in your marriage? You need the favor of God in your family. Man, don't you want to come to a church where God's hand's on it and his favor is in it? Wouldn't you love to live in a country where God's favor and hand was visible once again? Man, ask God for his hand and his favor to be upon us. For your kids, man, how do you pray for your kids? Ask God to keep his hand on them, to bless them. For his favor to be upon him. Good grief. What a beautiful thing to do. Here's the next thing. Ask God for his protection. Ask God for protection. In verse 10, he says, God, that your hand might be on me and that you would keep me from harm so that it might not bring me pain. What an interesting request. The word harm there in this English Standard Version says it means evil. It means bad or what's inferior, what causes injury or misfortune. There's several views on, on what this means, and I think the ones I'm going to share with you, I think all three of them are very accurate. You're asking God to protect you. Jabez was. How do we pray this? Number one, very simply, ask God to protect you. Just ask him to protect you. Ask him to protect your family. Ask him to protect your church. Ask him to protect our city. Ask him to protect our schools. We may need to make some major adjustments in America with our schools and protection. There's no doubt about it. But what we need more than anything else is the protection of God. Ask for God's protection. Listen, the Bible says in 1 Peter 5 that Satan is walking around even here like a roaring lion looking for somebody, you or me, your kids, my kids, our church, your business, looking for it to devour. Wow. That's a great picture of a wonderful guy, isn't it? Now, he didn't come with horns on. That's what makes it tough. What would you do tonight if, if Bill Davis came in and Bill said, Hey, there's a lion, a man-eating lion in the back parking lot. Be careful leaving church. I'd say, Cindy, go get the car and pull it up right up here for me. 
If you went outside, and most of you, most of you would sleep here this evening. I understand you can bathe in the baptistry tomorrow. There's plenty of food to eat in the kitchen. You would go out with your eyes open, wouldn't you? Begging God to protect you. Listen, Satan's a roaring lion. He's trying to destroy you and your family and your marriage and your business and our church. Ask God to protect us. Ask for his protection. Here's the second part of this. Ask God to keep you from evil. Some scholars believe when he was praying this, he's saying, God, keep me from sin. God, protect my family from going the wrong way morally, ethically, and spiritually. Boy, isn't that a great prayer? I I read today, the Dallas Mavericks are an NBA basketball team in San Antonio. Some of you were listening. You got that, weren't you? They're in Dallas. And and today it came out, there's a huge sexual misconduct scandal with that organization. Now, what was interesting, it didn't involve any basketball players. It involved all their front office, not all, but some of the front office people. And, and I thought, man, you know, how that brings disgrace and embarrassment and people have been hurt, you know, the victims of that, how, how bad it is. Listen, man, ask God to protect you, your family, our country, and our churches from evil. In Matthew chapter 4, 6, verse 13, in the Lord's Prayer, read this out loud with me, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now listen, to understand, God never leads us into temptation. What he's saying there is protect us, God, from, from getting in a tempting and bad spot. And God, deliver me from evil. When was the last time you prayed, God, protect me from Satan and from going down a sinful path? Have you prayed that recently? No? Well, you're, you're going to be a statistic if you're not careful. Northwestern University, not in Natchitoches, but in Chicago, several years ago, their, their management school did a, a study, and they used students who'd be good guinea pigs, about how we resist temptation. And they weren't looking at it from a moral, spiritual side, but like food and alcohol abuse and you know, stuff like that. And what they found out is that almost all of us way overestimate our ability to resist temptation. In other words, we're a lot more vulnerable to sin and wrong than we ever think we are. Do you understand that? So we need to ask God... God, man, protect my family, protect me, my business, my church. Protect us from evil. God, help us. We're going to sin. Help us to get up and get back on the right track ASAP. And here's the third concept with this that I think is great too. To keep us from hurting other people. Maybe Jabez was praying here, God, protect me from harm. So that might not bring me pain. Here's an interesting take on that. Jabez's name. It means to grieve or be sorrowful. Remember what verse 9 said? Jabez's mother bore him in deep pain and she gave him this name. Wasn't that a great mom? Be like your mom naming you, oh, pain in the backside. And and to the Hebrew people, a name really meant something. And, And Jabez may have carried this his whole life and, and struggled with the fact that, hey, even when I was being born, I brought pain to other people. Certainly didn't do it intentionally as a baby. 
Maybe part of this prayer was, God, help me not to hurt other people. The word pain at the end of this verse means to grieve or to afflict pain. Maybe he was saying, God, help me not to hurt others. You know, one of the greatest fears I have as a church, I have several, but one is that we would hurt people. I mean, I don't mean it's ugly. I don't mind if, if someone's offended that we say Jesus is the only way and that hurts them. I'm okay with that. You know, if someone's misbehaving and you have to correct it, I, I, I'm okay with having to say you don't work here anymore, you can't come here anymore, if, if it's grievous enough. But I just don't want to hurt people because we're a bad church. Do you want to hurt people? I'd never, I, I remember talking to someone years ago, I would never hit anybody. But I knew this person. Man, they were, they were vicious. No, they wouldn't hit anybody. They were a coward. Boy, they would, they would destroy you in other ways. And ask God to help you not to hurt people. Isn't that a good prayer for your kid? God, help my kid not to be a jerk. He would understand that. I prayed that for Alicia for years. I think it worked eventually. Just teasing, just teasing, I don't get mad. Someone said a lot of us are like chainsaws. We make a lot of noise, put out a lot of smoke. We can do some great things, but we can also be pretty dangerous, and we can make a mess. Ask God to help you not harm other people. And the last thing I want to tell you tonight, God answers right prayers of righteous people. If you don't believe me, and I think you do, look at the end of verse 10. And God granted what he asked. Did you hear that? God granted what he asked. Someone said, boy, Jabez prayed a big prayer, and he did, didn't he? But you know what? He prayed it to a bigger God. Would you agree? <laughs> See, you, you can't out-pray what God can deliver. We can pray in a way he won't deliver. We can be the kind of person he won't respond to. But we can't pray a prayer that God can't bring to pass. Because we can pray big prayers, and we should, but we got a bigger God. James chapter 5, the end of it, it talks about Elijah praying. It doesn't rain for three and a half years. He prays again, and it rains. Elijah must be praying right now in Ruston. And it says in there, and you can miss there, that he was a person just like you and me. Man. When this book came out, 2001, 2000, I was in a pastor's meeting with some of my friends, and one of the, one of the pastors said, he, was, he had read the book, and he was talking to his church members about it, and one of the guys in his church said, Oh, preacher, that's just a little prayer in the Bible. Like that is a thousand-degree miss, isn't it? Man, I want to challenge you. Take these passages and learn them. And use this as an outline the rest of your life to pray for everybody and everything you pray for. But you always got to go back. It starts with you and Jesus. If you're here tonight and you're not a Christian, you need to give your life to Christ. Come and do it in a moment when we stand Do it. I'll meet you over here after church. We can do it, but give your life to Christ tonight. That's where your prayer life begins. Maybe you'd like to join the church. 
We'd love for you to. You can come when we sing. We can do it after church. Hey, Christian, are you in a position with God right now when you pray that he's hearing you? Get right with God. And I challenge you, whether it's where you're standing or at the altar, say to God, God, the rest of my life, man, I want to be a person that storms heaven with these big, big prayers. Let's stand. Let's respond as God leads us.